Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Let me say that again. Life is like Lego. We take all these pieces in our lives and we try to put them together, form them into something beautiful. This is 647 pieces. Well, 646, there's one piece missing. Um, and it took us about two hours to put it together. Uh, but... I think this is kind of how we want our lives to look. I mean, maybe not exactly like the Stormtrooper mask. You might not be into Star Wars. But you want it to look perfect without any defects, without any cracks. Let me just recreate what March was like. And the next couple months weren't any better. And now we're left with a bunch of broken pieces. Something had to give when 2020 rolled along, and it wasn't going to be 2020, and so it was us. It was our lives, it was our jobs, it was our families. And we're left with these pieces. And the question is, how do we put the pieces back together? How do we put the pieces back together? The woman here in this passage was wondering the same thing. Here's what she says in verse 25. She says, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. This woman's life was in pieces. But she's asking, when he comes, he will tell us all things. When he comes, he'll, he'll tell me how to put the pieces back together. When he comes, he'll tell me how to put my life together. Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. And this woman walks away changed with confidence and hope maybe being able to put some of those pieces back together. 
One of the big keys in this series that we're talking about is what has God taught us in 2020? And I think the thing for me is that we need to have more conversations and we need to bring Christ into those conversations. Let me say that again. We need to have conversations and we need to bring Christ into those conversations. Well, how do we do that? Christ isn't here walking on this earth anymore, but what does Galatians tell us? That those of us who believe in Christ, who have been crucified with Christ, no longer live, but Christ lives in us. Later on, Paul in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that we are Christ's ambassadors as if God were making his appeal through us. And then Peter, in the book of 1 Peter, says that if anyone speaks, he should speak the very words of God. So we are Christ to everyone around us. We are Christ to everyone around us. But even more than that, I, I, I think that Jesus gives us in this conversation keys to conversation. I like to study the world of marketing. And uh, uh, in recent years, marketing has become more and more defined as a conversation between a company and its customers, a conversation between a brand and its customers. And uh, there's a local entrepreneur Paul J. Daly, some of you may have heard of him, who's kind of redefining marketing and branding and bringing some new ideas to this world. He's from here in Syracuse, and uh, he's identified five things. They are attention, connection, honesty, care, and empathy. And, and if you put those into play in your marketing, you'll do better. But when I look at this passage, I see Jesus using all five of those things in this conversation. Let's start with the first one, attention. John chapter 4 verse 8, it says that he waited for his disciples to go away before he had a conversation with this woman. Why? His disciples had a tendency to get in the way of, of him doing ministry. If you read throughout the Gospels, this happens all the time. Jesus is out doing something great, and then the disciples come along and threaten to screw it up. Jesus waits for his disciples to go away so he can give this woman his full attention. He doesn't want to be distracted. If it were 2020, he would have thrown his phone down that well so he wouldn't be distracted. Second thing Jesus does is he builds a connection. Uh, this whole conversation about water that he's having is really to build a connection because there are differences between him and this woman and he has to find some common ground. He has to build a connection in order for the next part to happen, which is honesty. Honesty, it happens in verse 16 through 18, where he says, go call your husband and come here. He's honest with this woman. He's brutally honest with her. He's honest with her about herself, especially when she says you don't have a husband. The one that you're with right now is not your husband. He's also honest about himself. He's honest about himself and who he is and the living water that he can offer. Honesty. The next part of the conversation is all about worship and really Jesus is showing how much he cares for this woman. Let me show you how. He does this because he never condemns her. He never once tells her that her way of worship is wrong. He simply shows a better way. But he does this having built the foundation of attention, connection, and honesty. And that allows him to show her a better way and one that she takes and she runs with. All of this is, is, is summed up in this big idea of empathy, seeking to understand the core of someone, the core of who they are, to not make judgments, and to, 
to care for them so much that you'll help them find a better path. I don't think our conversations today have these traits anymore. I think we've replaced these with anger, with competition, with hatred, with condemnation, and with entitlement. Our conversations are no longer about you or about him. They're about me, 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 me. But we got to get back to the way that Jesus would do it. We got to show people Jesus. Because what happens? Conversations with Christ in them result in confidence and hope. Let me show you what I mean. Where are we here? Verses 28 and 29. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? She's already giving them her attention. She's being honest with them and she's working to build a connection. She's putting these things right back into play. And she's all of a sudden confident. She all of a sudden has this hope. See, that's what people should walk away from our conversations with. Confidence and hope. So we need to go. We need to be Christ. But what happens when we have these pieces of our lives? What happens when we need to try to put our pieces back together? Simple. Find someone who can show you Christ. A couple weeks ago, I was going through something here at work and trying to figure out how to navigate it. And when I, when I get there to that point uh, and I don't know what to do and I hit a block, I walk the parking lot. And so if you're ever out here and you see me walking, you know I'm trying to figure something out. Um, and I'm walking back to the cafe entrance here and I see Pastor Ben and Pastor Ben's talking with another guy. And I was just going to walk right past him. And Pastor Ben says, hey, Nate, are you okay? You look off. In that moment, he turned from the other guy, gave me his attention, and was honest with me about myself. And in the midst of that conversation, he took the time to listen to me. It was a long conversation. It wasn't quick. Uh, The other guy was just kind of there, but Ben's attention was on me. And at the end of it, because of the way that he was able to show me Christ in that conversation, I knew the path I needed to walk. I knew the direction I needed to go, and I was able to walk away with confidence and hope. So let's be Christ to people. And if we need help picking up the pieces, let's find Christ. Let's have conversations. Let's bring Christ into them. Let's give people our attention. Let's build genuine connection. Let's be honest. But let's be careful in our honesty. Let's not make honesty about us being right. Let's make honesty about showing someone a better way because we care so much for them. And let's be empathetic in every single thing that we do. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you so much for your word and thank you so much for the power that we can have in conversations. Lord, I thank you that, that you showed us the best way through your son Jesus, and I thank you that he now lives in us, and we can have confidence to walk into conversations. So I pray that we do that. I pray that we would be people who help others pick up their pieces and put them back together. And we ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Welcome, TGP. I'm honored to to be here and just continue this conversation of what we learned in, in 2020. I have a picture I want to show you real quick. Hopefully you guys get this. Marty, whatever happens, don't ever go to 2020. 
hopefully you get the reference. It's from an 80s movie, Back to the Future. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but, well, it, at least today, 2020 has been different and difficult year. Most of us would probably agree. Who would like to reboot and start over this year? Anybody? <laughs> yeah. I know many of us would like to do that. Personally, for me, two major events happened to me in 2020. Just this February, I lost my father to a brain tumor right before this whole pandemic started. And June 20th of this year, right in the thick of this pandemic, my son Joshua was married. These are two very close and personal events in my life. But as I went through them, I began to realize that it was God's plan and purpose, no matter how difficult they were. I would not change a thing with either one of them. Oh, technology. Hello. That's why I brought paper up here with me. I began to realize it was God's plan, purpose, no matter how difficult they were. I would not change a thing with either one. We witnessed God's faithfulness, his perfect timing, and the collateral beauty in both. Oh my gosh. For example, my father's death, however, untimely, was timed perfectly because it was right before the pandemic. And we were able to have a sanctuary full of people with hundreds of people that heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. So praise God for that. It was a tremendous event. This clearly would not have happened a month later. So it was just amazing. In the midst of this COVID-19, my son and his bride were able to have a gathering, fairly large people, outdoor wedding in Ohio. If this was done in New York State or somewhere else, we probably wouldn't have had it. And it was outdoor wedding, it was beautiful. And another time, it just wouldn't have happened at all. So everything was perfectly timed. It might not have all happened this year. Technology is my enemy. It was working fine before I got up here. There we go. So I personally started to reflect on God's timing in general and reading my Bible. And I stumbled into Ecclesiastes 3. And it says, and you guys have all heard this verse before, these verses, especially at funerals. There's a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from bracing. I said, what? I stopped there a second. A time to refrain from embracing? Sound familiar now? The Bible actually says that. I was pretty surprised to say the least. I've seen, I've heard these verses a hundred times and never really caught those words exactly. Did anyone think that there'd be a time not to embrace? Every Sunday, working the front door, I see people who struggle. It's like, they don't know what to do. I wanna, I wanna hug you, but we can't. And it's such a weird thing to see. 
But through these things, God showed me that he has always gone before us. He is not surprised. He's always there. I truly believe if we listen, God is teaching all of us through this COVID-19. Simply for me, he's not surprised by anything we're going through at all. And I just need to trust him and know that his timing is perfect. We could all say we are living in different times, but are we really? We're wearing masks, we're socially distancing, and not being able to embrace one another. We do, however, read that the days of Jesus were not unlike ours today. They were very similar in many ways. In fact, people were being discriminated against, treated as outcasts, and racially segregated. As Nate shared, it's not, it was not the norm. Jesus is a Jew and had a conversation with an unclean Samaritan woman. Let's continue in the book of John with the woman at the well as we read in chapter 4, verses 28 through 34. So the woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. So the woman left the well and his disciples returned to the village with their provisions. They naturally expected Jesus to eat. They were about to learn, however, the importance of spiritual values over physical ones. His statement, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Jesus was willing to forego physical refreshment in order to perform spiritual ministry. The doing of God's will was actually a satisfaction and nourishment to his own soul. And this made me think of my own personal life and how refreshing it is to share Christ with someone and how to take part in someone else's salvation story. It just is a, a beautiful thing. And we are blessed by that. We are the ones that are blessed by that. But all the verses in chapter 4, of all of them in chapter 4, the one that most impacts me the most is, and most visually, another visual, profound to me is verse 35. And I got to say, I just talked about God going before us. Nate and I didn't talk, and I said, Nate, what are you preaching on? And I was going to preach on this verse. John 4, 35. He goes, I'm in John 4. And I'm like, of all the things that we could have preached on in the Bible, we ended up in the same book together. So God always goes before us. So this verse, John 35. Do not say there are four months, then come the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. Jesus began to draw an analogy between spiritual food and serving God and the physical food which refreshes the body. Here he continues the analogy by comparing the work of evangelism to the collecting of crops. The phrase Jesus uses at the start of this verse might, might have been a local proverb. Experienced farmers could look at the season and know how far off the, the harvest time was. Those same farmers could look at the field to recognize the right time to bring in the crops. The disciples should have, a, should have the ability to recognize the right time for a spiritual harvest as well. 
In this case, the Samaritan woman is bringing back many people to meet Jesus at the well. When a wheat field is ready to be collected, the tips of the plants appear white. The crowd of people in white garments and headwear might have echoed the same imagery. Presumably the disciples could see the sight approaching and would have grasped his meaning. Today I look at our neighborhoods, our city streets, our restaurants, our stores, and even this congregation, and I see that the white, the fields are white for harvest. With a simple similarity of people wearing masks, look around. If you just look like the disciples looked and see these people coming at you, everyone that's got a mask. God desires us to share his love and his truth with others. But sometimes we get hung up on what to say, what do I do, where do I begin? And as Nate said so plainly, it starts with a conversation. Jesus has been speaking to a sinful, broken Samaritan woman about the water of life. As his disciples were focused on food, Jesus spoke with the most unlikely Samaritan woman. But this woman had been impacted so much by her encounter with Jesus, she left her water pot, rushed back to town. She told the village, come, come and see the man who told me all things I've ever done. For some of us talking about Christ, it comes naturally. But it's not easy for all of us. It seemed pretty easy for the Samaritan woman, though, didn't it? Maybe we're shy and maybe we're worried about someone will ask us a tough question that we can't answer. The Samaritan woman didn't know much, but she knew what God had done for her. Her message was simple, simple and yet compelling. See, there's, this morning I believe there are four possible things we could admit if we're honest. You, you mentioned that word, honest, yeah. So I would like to leave you with some questions to ask yourself. Number one, do you trust God and his timing? Number two, are you broken as the Samaritan woman? I'm sure there's some broken people here today. We're not all perfect. We're not all perfect. Some are just better hiding it. Who is the Samaritan in your life that needs Jesus? Who is that person? And do you see the fields that are white for harvest? Let us pray.